For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the Jamie Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, and I am joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you? Bennett, I'm doing good, but you're bearing the lead here. Everyone watching the stream has to be looking at Bennett's amazing quarter zip. Shout out to my sister for getting me this for Christmas. I mean, that is top tier merch right there, considering she was able to find the logo. And the logo is something that I created and I struggle to find on my own computer. So shout out to your sister. Shout out to her. She found it, put it on a quarter zip, and now I'm wearing it. 10 out of 10 Christmas gift. Was that the best Christmas gift you got? It's up there. Okay. I also had a golf club fitting. Oh, cool. So it was a good Christmas for me. Oh, wait. You told me about your golf club fitting where you went and you shanked everything. And so they had to put your fittings where they could fix your shank, right? I hit some tough. So <laughs> I was really towing the ball. I wasn't quite shanking it. Oh, towing geez. it a lot, hitting it off the toe, some disappointing swings in there. I uh, worked on some things, some swing fixes, and I think I'm improving. And, you know, a couple of things break my way this summer. I could win the U.S. Open. I mean, you have as much of a chance as uh, as anyone as Cam Young. I just need a couple breaks, like a break or two goes my way. Yeah. And I have a chance. And uh, you know what you'd be drinking on the course as you uh, played in the U.S. Open? That'd be badass if I was pounding three-notch beers while leading the U.S. Open. Pick them up at the Harrisonburg Valley Collab House. Pound them. any local grocery store, or really only any grocery store. I'm in Fredericksburg visiting my mom for Christmas, right? Uh Uh, And I went through Walmart, and guess what Walmart's carrying? Hell yeah, a little free notch. Variety pack. A variety pack. That's nice. I like that for you. It's fantastic stuff, man. That sounds pretty fantastic. And you know what else is fantastic? Bet online. It remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. What? You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. You want to talk about third division women's soccer in Bulgaria? I bet Bet Online has something like that to offer. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's promo code B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Speaking of betting, you keep looking up. You're watching the ECU Coastal game as we speak. I got a little bit of cha-ching on that one. I'm on ECU minus 7. Yeah, I put $15,000 on ECU minus 7. And I said, let it ride, right? Let's have a little fun on a Tuesday night. 
I think I have ten dollars on them minus seven, so that's pretty exciting for me. I have I have well, I have five dollars, so I'm right there. But mine's a parlay, so Georgia Southern parlay burned fits. me. Yep. Memphis Memphis was the easiest bet of bowl season, though. <laughs> so I was happy about that one. Utah State sucks. JMU yeah. has them on the schedule next year. They're garbage. You know what other game? What other game I had fifteen thousand dollars on, and I thought it was the, the no sweat of my life. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. So I guess we should kind of preview this podcast we have coming up. We're going to kind of review what was a terrible non-conference slate and kind of what that leaves us wanting as we go into conference play. But we brought in Nick Lawrenson from Mid-Major Madness to chat with us. We talked with him earlier in the day, so we'll splice that into the middle of this podcast. And he goes full-on in-depth into Sunbelt. He starts dropping names. You're going to know the Texas State front court better than you know JMU's front court. It was awesome to have him come on and to chat up Sunbelt. So he kind of gives a really good broad overview of how JMU stacks up in this new conference and kind of what to expect out of you know perennial heavyweights and things of that sort as we gear up for conference play because some of those some of those schedules, some of those records might be misleading. I mean, you have Southern Miss with two losses, Louisiana with two losses, but their Ken Palm is really low. So we wanted to get a better feel for that, and he was awesome to come on. But first, before we get into all of that, we do have to talk Coppin State L and kind of overarching kind of what the downfalls. And I know we talk about this every podcast since basketball season has started, the terribleness of the non-conference slate. But I think we'll, we'll finally put a bow on it. We'll stop talking about it. But this is the last episode where we're going to do a kind of a, a deeper dive into it. And not only Coppin State, but I think Coppin State was a microcosm of that entire non-conference schedule. And correct me if I'm wrong, Bennett, but it just felt like such a bad a bad schedule where one loss to a Coppin State team. If you had three other mid-majors on there that were like comparable and were low 100s, high 100s, teams around the same Ken Palm score, quad two games where you could genuinely gauge how good JMU was, this Coppin State L wouldn't hurt as much. But they're one and two against like mid-major quad three games or quad four games. Yeah, it's it's a little disappointing, I would say, at the least. I mean, it's like Coppin State's not good. They're just, I mean, they're just not. So they played George Mason two days later on the road, and they lost by 38. Yeah. They scored 53 points after scoring 107 against Jane. Like, so it's, I know it went to double overtime, but it's, I think it went to overtime at 80, but it's, it's just frustrating to have that kind of result against someone. And the, the more time that goes by, the less frustrated I get. Cause you had like three guys or at least two guys for Coppin state um, that are career, like 30% three point shooters. And you look at, Mike Hood went six of 11 from three. Yeah. And he's like a career 30% three point shooter. I mean, he has 18 made threes this year, and he's six of them came against JMU. And then you've got Cameron Blue, who is 30% from three for his career, and he went three of four. Like, I mean, they shot 41% from three, which I think is, um, you know, it's like 7% above their season average. That's kind of where they tend to be good, though. I think the biggest issue that I had was that JMU just like gave possessions away. Like they, if you're going to hit some shots against them, fine. Like it could have been competitive. They gave possessions away. And then defensively, we've talked about this and it just constantly gets ignored. 
They're 257th in two-point field goal percentage defense. So, like, JMU creates some turnovers and it's good defensively there. I still think they're too small. Like, I still think they have a roster construction that has that as a glaring weakness because they do not have a single rim protector. So if a team's also knocking down jumpers and you're not forcing, like, in a, and they force, like, 20 turnovers. Yeah. But if a team can make their shots, they're going to get some pretty good looks because every time they get into the paint, like, there could be good contests. But there's not a guy who's going to block anything. And not only that, there's not a guy then, like, that is going to pull down a rebound at an extremely high rate. Right. Like I'm trying to find their, their, their rebounding percentage here on, um, on Ken Palm. Offerum's probably your best percent defensive rebounding wise. He's your best rebounder to it in play. So that hurts. I'd argue too. Offerum's absence was major in this game because Sule kept getting looks inside. They kept getting the opportunities down low, but wouldn't Amadi, they had good games down low, like in the paint. They didn't uh-huh. play terribly, but at, at like crucial moments, it just seemed like on the radio broadcast, all of a sudden you heard Derry Bridger going, oh, miss dunk. And you're like, how do you, how do you <laughs> miss a dunk? How? Like, I know I can't dunk. And I also miss like 58% of the layups I've ever tried in my life. So like, I get it's hard to score a basketball, but man, it just seemed like sometimes they were getting down low and it was just bunny hops in that they just couldn't convert. And that was... I mean, when you lose a game like you do against Coppin State in double overtime, you can start pinpointing exact misses where you're like, well, if you hit that, you win. Right. It's it's some frustrating ones. And they I think if you look at positives, the fact that they like didn't give up even though it wasn't yeah. quite their day, like they scored what, eight points or something in twenty seconds and they had to send it to overtime. So like that was cool. But frustrating overall, I think there was some stuff like I mean, like Sule took seven threes. That I mean, that doesn't make any sense really. Like in, he's one that like he hit two of them, and he scored 21. So it's not like he had a bad game. It's just against Coppin State where they're going to give you anything. It's like that's not really the shot. And and that's why I say Mezzi was such a, a missed piece in that game because I think if Offram's in there, he's more able and more willing to take that drive. We saw it against UNC in person. You see it whenever you're watching the game. He's one of the best paint moves type of player where he can catch it down low, make two steps, and then get the lay-in. Um, and that absence was major because yeah, he's not going to jack up seven threes. And, and I mean, just overall, not just Sule, but almost everyone on that team was taking threes that just seemed ill-advised. It seemed like at times they were just jacking them. And I, I don't know why. I don't know if that was their game plan. It kind of looked like it was their game plan. So I'm not going to blame it on the players. That's more of a question for Byington on like, why was jacking threes your game plan when you went like one of 20 in the first half? And it's, it's kind of frustrating because like they've lost to two crappy teams. Like Valparaiso has a worse camp on rating than Coppin state does. And that was a neutral floor. So that one's frustrating. I know there was some rest differential there, but Coppin state shot 66.7% from two. <laughs> like they shot 67% basically on two point shots. And you look, um valpo shot 59 percent in that game so like we talked a lot again about how like if they don't get turnovers they're very vulnerable two-point defense and boom there it is again so it's like i still think they're a good team i'm not that upset it's just kind of annoying when it's like you know they go through the offseason there's not really any pushback or questions it's just like yeah they want to play small and athletic it's like cool they're gonna get absolutely murdered in the paint 
Well, they want to play small and athletic without consistent three-point shooters. Right. Cool. This and is they, gonna, it's going to blow up in your face, and it blew it's blown up in their face <laughs> twice in, in the non-conference schedule. And like, you see what the highs are against a Buffalo, against what was it, Howard or Hampton and Howard. You saw uh-huh. it against South Dakota State. Like, you see the highs, but then you also see the lows, and it just worries me in Sunbelt play. Yeah, they can probably beat Marshall. They are probably a better team than Marshall. But I'm also not putting it past them to lose on February 9th against Georgia Southern. Yeah, I mean, you can't take anything, I guess, like, you know, nothing's a given for them. And I I think they're a good team. I like them. I think they're trending in the right direction. They're also not. I know there was, like, when they played UVA tight and there's some men, mo, 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 Jesus, some momentum. Drop the momentum. I need some more sleep. But when they have like momentum going on the schedule, it got to a point where it's like, oh, they could be a 13 seed and make some noise. I don't think that right now. Like, I think like they could win the Sun Belt, but I wouldn't expect them to like go in and win a tournament game. They could. But they're, I don't know, they're a ways away, in my opinion, still from being like, oh, they're one of the best mid-majors in the country. Like, you got to be way more consistent. You can't drop games to Valpo and Coppin State and then look in the stats and be like, that actually makes a little bit of sense that they suck defensively and miss a lot of threes. Can I say something and you correct me if I'm wrong? Yeah. This is the this team is the last year of Matt Brady. They might be a little better than that, but there's. I mean, that was some... a 20 win team. It was a 20 win team. With Ron Curry. Like, that was not a bad team. It was not a bad team. Are you pulling it up now? Yeah, they're, they were a little better defensively, I guess. They're, I mean, they led the country in three point field goal percentage defense. But I don't know. I think they're more like, I feel like they're more athletic. Like, they have players that I think are better no offense like ron curry's played professionally for a little bit now but it's uh, other than that i I feel like the current roster is better but it's there's certainly some similarities especially kempom wise where they finished 91st that year what if my point i'm trying to get at is that was where they were the lou Rowe era brought them down so far that they've had to work now back to like i think byington can take them to the next step but i feel like we wanted him to just like overnight shoot up from the bottom floor, the basement to the penthouse. Cause Matt Brady got us to the let's like like 75th floor. And then Roe took us down to the basement. Byington has worked us back to the 75th floor, but there was a moment against UVA where we played him close. We thought we were in the penthouse. I think that's a great description. I love, I love that take where it's like, yes, they have gotten back to the point where they're like capable Right, they're semi-competent, and if they win their conference tournament at a mid-major, you wouldn't be surprised, yeah. which I think is a, a positive. I think also the schedule is a big reason they're in this spot. That was a scheduling loss against Coppin State. Why are you scheduling on the road at Coppin before your Sun Belt season opener in Baltimore? They haven't played at home in about a month. They're on eight days rest. They don't have, they've been out of finals for two weeks where you just got out of finals week. You're traveling right when you finish this game, your entire team's traveling to go home for Christmas. 
Why is that the game you schedule? It the schedule is terrible. Like the refs showed up half an hour late. That too. Byington said he didn't even recognize them. Like we have no idea who the refs even were. <laughs> it was me. I was actually me. You remember how I said I was driving up to Richmond from Charlotte that day? Yeah. I actually made you, a stop in Baltimore. Um, of course. And I refed it real quick. That's awesome. That's that's very cool. It's just <laughs> it's just frustrating where it's um it like, there's no reason to play at Coppin State at eleven in the morning before oh, you send your team off. Before you send your team, well, it was supposed to be 11 in the morning. The refs didn't show up. And then you're supposed to send like a bunch of people on flights. At least that's what the radio broadcast was saying home yeah. for like Christmas break. It's like, what are we, why? Do you why? think, do you think they decided to play against Coppin because they're in Baltimore and a lot of it guys <laughs> like had flights out airport. of BWI? <laughs> they were like, all right, guys, go to BWI. Have fun. Maybe. Hopefully they're not flying Southwest and already back on <laughs> campus. So, uh, Nick Lorenzen, who's the guest we're about to bring on before we dive into Sunbelt, um, tweeted that today. He goes, beware of teams being without players because they can't get to their teams. I think Vermont canceled the game. That's insane. Yeah, with weather and flights and all that nonsense. So it's it's a little ridiculous. But just frustrated by that loss. Pretty good non-conference slate for the most part. They're playing reasonably well. They've got a good ceiling i think i think the floors may be a little less known at this point but they got some guys they're pretty good yeah well before we dive into what we expect out of sunbelt the georgia state preview the three notch marshall preview everything like that we want to welcome in nick lorenson from mid-major madness to talk all things sunbelt and mid-major stuff uh, this was recorded earlier today i don't know if there's anything that's outdated in it but it was it's been like six hours so enjoy <laughs> Very excited to welcome in Nick Lawrenson, a social media specialist, an expert, some might say, at Mid-Major Madness. He knows a lot more about the Sunbelt men's basketball landscape than we do, and we figured with conference play starting, we should probably have someone who knows more than we do talking about it. So, Nick, thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. I always love talking hoops, JMU. Maybe we'll be down there in a couple of weeks. Really liked what I saw out of them last week at a cop, and even though they lost... I, I think that makes one of us on this podcast <laughs> liked what they saw out of JMU in that game. I guess we can start there. You were at that game. What did you see out of JMU? And I guess more specifically, is Coppin State like kind of okay at home? Oh, oh Coppin State's insane at home. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. Every time I go there, there's like I was texting uh, the, the the basketball operations guy for JMU. I'm like, every time I go to a game there, just something wacky happens. I think it kind of also played in, you know, the refs didn't show up until 30 minutes after <laughs> it was supposed to tip. Uh, there were just stupid turnovers to make it go into double overtime and people were pulling up from half court to hit threes. So I think Coppin's pretty good. They have an insane backcourt. And when they're at home, it's just something different, even though like the crowds are never good there, which is just absolutely insane. But, you know, I've really jam you. They will put up points. That, that was, what, their third straight game scoring 100 points. It's the first time since the early 90s that that's happened. This offense for JMU is just really good. It shows in the metrics. I mean, they're top 20 in the country in effective field goal percentage, 22nd in three-point percentage. And the defense is pretty good, too. I mean, they're a top 100 defense, but everyone wants to take a look at that offense because they're putting up 100 points a game and beating teams by, like, 50 points. There's... 
if you throw in those uh, non-D1 games, they have the largest margin of victory in uh, all of D1. That sounds like hope. I mean, B- Bennett over here uh, doesn't have as much hope as everyone else, but I think that sounds like hope, right, Bennett? I think that was very positive. I'm still <laughs> upset by the Coppin State loss, but uh, when you dive into it, you realize they're undefeated at home. Maybe they're the best team in the country at home. And then outside of outside <laughs> that, they're, they're one of the worst. <laughs> Seeing what Mason did to them on the road made me very sad. The next yeah, game. they couldn't hit it. Uh, the barn side, the back side of a boat it was crazy. And also seeing that Charlotte beat Coppin State pretty handedly on opening night a few like a month ago, I really thought that was my. We have a friend that uh, works for Charlotte, so we always like to compare and use like barometer games. Like, okay, there's someone, and then that, that was like the one common opponent. We're like, all right, this is our chance to really rub it in. Uh, and then they didn't do well. But uh, conference play starts. Who are they starting with again? I Georgia should know State. Georgia State, and then. I mean, we can talk, I guess, if you want to really talk about Georgia State at 236 and Ken Palm, by all means, that's on you. But I think the game we have circled is that uh, New Year's Eve game against Marshall, a high tempo offenses. It's the only loss that Ken Palm predicts for JMU in this Sunbelt schedule. Is Marshall that good? Yeah, they're pretty good. I saw them live too, or Robert Morris. Um, it all really runs through Tavian Kinsey. That kid has been there forever. <laughs> absolutely insane uh he's actually second in the country in percentage of minutes played out of everyone so it shows how much he really means the program but uh d'antoni brought in a couple transfers this year to really boost him up i mean just like you guys are coming over from another league into the sun belt and they've pretty much just made themselves one of the favorites right right away i mean andrew taylor's up there uh he's taking a lot of shots he's the most shots for team game cam mccurfin comes over from VMI. Uh, he's been really good. But that offense is really the, the difference over there, too. And they've really boosted up their uh, defense, too. They're number one in block percentage on offense. To be honest, I actually don't really know what that means. I guess they're not getting their shots blocked <laughs> that much. But, you know, they're still shooting the ball insanely well. They're shooting over 50%. Their only losses were to UNCG and Queens. And that Queens game was back and forth all game, up and down the court. And they're blowing out good teams. I mean – no, no offense, but JMU's doing more against lower D1 opponents. Yes, like, yes. I mean, Marshall went out there. They smoked Akron. They smoked Ohio. They smoked Duquesne in Pittsburgh. Uh, they just came off a 15-point win against Toledo, who I think is one of the best major teams in the country. Uh, I think that offense is the real deal. They're putting up points just like JMU. That's going to be a shootout. I'm super excited for that one on a Saturday. But they're going to be deadly. And then just a little touch on Georgia State. I mean, they aren't as good as they were last year. They have a new head coach. Juan Odom's still going to run that offense, comes over from Xavier with Jonas Hayes. Um, but I feel, yeah, that Marshall game is definitely one to circle. That Texas State game after, too, they might cause some problems on the defensive end for uh, JMU and make it a little bit more low scoring than they uh, than they usually have it as. But, I mean, Sunbelt Sunbelt's just great this year. Who else can we uh, can look at there and expect to be decent? I know Southern Miss, their Ken Palm coming into the year was disgusting. And they've made some some very impressive uh, improvements there. Are they a legit contender? They've they've made enough strides here that you think they could hang around this year? Yeah, I mean their schedule's been really easy. They've won against who they're supposed to win against them. 
Coming into the season, I thought they'd be better than their Ken Palm because they brought in Felipe Hase from Mercer. Kid was a double-double machine. He just had an injury problem. And I didn't realize until yesterday, his head coach, Greg Gary, went over to Southern Miss, and that's why they were able to get him and Neftali uh, Alvarez. I believe it's Alvarez. Yeah, it is Alvarez. I always want to say Feliz because the Pirates used to have a reliever named Neftali Feliz. <laughs> Neftali Alvarez. Um, those two are a deadly combo together. I mean, they went in there. They beat Vandy in the opening week pretty handily. Beat Liberty at Liberty. That's tough. Beat Winthrop. Just that they their first loss was the Northwestern State at the buzzer. So, I mean, you can take that loss with like a grain of salt because Northwestern State also went into TCU and smoked, or they didn't smoke, but they beat the Horn Frogs, which is a really good NCAA tournament team. And they kept it competitive with UNLV. The only thing was that UNLV defense caused a lot of turnovers for them. So I think Southern Miss is a legit team. They'll be up there towards the top, which is kind of interesting because these last couple of years they've been towards the bottom of the Conference USA. They're coming in a different league and they're doing something special. But Louisiana's great. Their defense is great. They only have one loss. Um, that offense kind of gives me question marks. Scott Cross is a great shirt, but Troy Epson's coming over from UT Arlington a couple of years ago. They beat Florida State early on in the year. I mean, Florida State's not that great, but they still went into the ACC team and beat them. ODU really impressed me when I called them down in Charleston against Furman. South Alabama always has players. They have Kevin Samuel down low. Jerenson from FGCU. Great big man. Texas State's defense is great. They just always have really confusing results. But these last couple of years, they've been at the top of the Sun Belt, so you can't bat an eye against that. App State, Dusty Kearns does a great job over there. They always have super old dudes. Kind of a new roster this year. Uh, Coastal Carolina, Cliff Ellis is a Hall of Fame coach. You can never count them out. They have uh, Asal Mustafa down low, really good big man. Uh, Georgia State, they're always at the top. Georgia Southern, I was just looking right before I hopped on here. I might have to make a way, my way down to Statesboro when GMU plays them because I want to see Mark Byington go up against his old team. <laughs> and uh, Brian Berg used to work under him. I know I talked to him a couple of years ago, Byington. He's like, yeah, I just had to get out of the Sun Belt. And I was back in the Sun Belt, so that's like <laughs> – that's crazy. I just think top to bottom, this league is super tough. There's no easy nights out there. Uh, I wasn't really expecting the newcomers to do as great as they're doing, but they're doing a great job. You got me worried now. I was, when we were talking about this season coming into it, we were like, well, the Sun Belt is just CAA, but actually worse. And now we're looking at what the CAA has been doing outside of Charleston and maybe Towson a little bit. The CAA, the, those newcomers in the CAA have just brought down that conference as a whole kind of drastically. Um, but you touched on Louisiana a bit. They were the preseason favorites to win, according to the uh, media that came out. Is Louisiana probably – their Ken Palm doesn't hold that. Like, it's JMU and Marshall as a cut above, and then the rest of the Sun Belts below. Is Louisiana – can't talk – just not getting the love from the advanced metrics, or do they have real kind of glaring flaws? Yeah, they kind of do. Nothing I've seen out of them really impresses me. I mean, they went up to Asheville and they had a little tournament opening weekend. They beat Harvard and ETSU, which is okay. Then they went and beat a La Tech team who's like not the same anymore in SMU in overtime. But SMU's probably its best win. SMU's like five and eight, I want to say. So they aren't that good. But the two top 100 teams they've played, they've got smoked. Texas, without a head coach right now, they lost to about 28 over this last week. Drake, they lost by a dozen. So there's been nothing that impressive I've seen out of them. I guess beating SMU and Sanford are good wins. Sanford's really inconsistent. But, you know, Jordan Brown's a great guard. 
or he's not a guard. He's a big man, great big man down low. It's just there's just nothing that really impresses me out of this team. I could see them at the top. Bob Marlin's another great coach in the league. Uh, he had them to make a little run of the conference tournament last year as a lower seed, but there's nothing too crazy. They're a good three point shooting team. I love when we talk to Nick because it's always a bunch of names. We're like, you could just be making these up, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> I love the sheer the sheer knowledge. I'm also excited for some of the uh, the tempo differences this year because, like Marshall and and Jamie, love to fly. Some other teams like ODU go a little bit slower. I saw they beat Gardner Webb 44 to 43, which is just sickening. It's like a JMU halftime score. So that's I'm excited for that. I think that'll be an interesting one where it seems like there aren't too many teams that are in the middle. It seems like a lot of teams they either want to fly or, or maybe go a little slower. Yeah, definitely. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully the fast teams uh, have the uh, the better end of the draw this year. The Arkansas State's 354, so that means they're a bottom five tempo in the country. So that's a fun one. Yeah. Uh, some people can some some people make all that fun. Yeah. I call that sicko. That might be sicko <laughs> committee type of stuff going on with so put them against UVA and let's just have some fun. Oh yeah. 40 37. <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. Um <laughs> What is your Sunbelt Conference Championship game? Or I guess this is a two-pronged question because with mid-majors, everything is insane come conference tournament time. Like you you have no clear-cut real knowledge of who's going to win. But who do you think is going to come away with the regular season crown? And then in the conference tournament, who's playing for that championship? I mean, I honestly think JMU is the best team in the league right now. They're my favorite to win the league. Uh, in the preseason I mean that is just how you come on and be a podcast guest right there you <laughs> cater to the to the host you know I can't wait to listen to when you go on a Marshall podcast and it's all about Marshall well, but a couple of weeks ago I went on a Monmouth podcast I told them they were going to lose every single game on their schedule so there's definitely <laughs> disparity there <laughs> that's amazing but I think it's going to come down to them and Marshall that would be the peak championship matchup because there would be so many points and it would really bring a great eye to the mid-major basketball with those two teams going up against each other again, which is I got to do a better job kind of promoting that game this Saturday. It's going to be tight because I'm going to be at Towson Charleston at noon. That one's at two, but I'm definitely going to keep an eye on that. I got to boost that up there, but that would be a big matchup because they're with top 25 tempos in the country, great offenses. There's some star players in that game, but I think it's going to come down to those two. Sunbelt tournament's always crazy. You never know what's going to happen. It's a week earlier. They started that last year, which makes it super fun because pretty much all standalone tournament games. But you can't count out anyone in this league. I mean, craziness always happens in March. Charleston-Towson game sounds awesome. Charleston is phenomenal. They're Love fun. them. Is, I guess this is my last question, and Bennett, if you have anything else, by all means jump in, but – Who's the best player in the Sun Belt? Uh, that's a tough one. I'd, pro I'd give it to Tavian Kinsey right now because he's just like – I, I watched him at that Robert Morris game. I was I was tired as all get out because it was about 7 a.m. I woke up. I went up there with a buddy because we were going to go to the Steeler game the next day. And so it's like 7 p.m. Um, they're drinking a chocolate milk, like half asleep at the media table. And he just keeps making these insane shots and passes. I'm like, holy cow. I mean, he's lengthy. He can shoot the ball. He can pass the ball. He's 79th in offensive rating. Uh, top 400 and a whole bunch of other things. Shoot 
he shoots the lights out. He's 58% from two-point range. Um, I mean, the offense kind of flows through him and Andrew Taylor over there at Marshall, but there's no player. Like, he's been there about six years. I know he has over 1,000 points. He has to be near, if not over 2,000 points. Uh, just having him come into a league like that for a long time, Marshall's been, even in the Conference USA last year, they're like, there's a chance they're going to win the league because he's on there. He's on that team. But, you know, they didn't have the exact of the season they won it last year. But I still think that kid's insane. I probably put Felipe Hase right behind him. Love it. Awesome. My, my only final question is we always hype ourselves up or out of a league, Jack and I especially. We're like, oh, Sunbelt's going to be great or CA is going to be great or whatever. Do you think whoever wins the Sun Belt, do you think they're a legitimate, like, scary – you know, 13 seed if they get in, or is it one where whoever wins the Sun Belt, congratulations, nice season, you're gonna get waxed by <laughs> by a power five <laughs> school. I honestly would think half this league would have a fighting chance to win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. Marshall, James Madison, maybe even Louisiana, Southern Miss, uh Troy's been able to do it, ODU, Texas State. I'd give all those teams a chance to win a game in the NCAA tournament. All right, now fingers go. crossed that one of them actually wins the conference tournament so that they can make the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. That's all. I think that's the hardest part when it comes to mid-major conference. Like, it's never that we, we'll, we won't get on the conference tournaments and end of season insanity. But huh. all right, <laughs> Ben. Anything else? No, I just think it's cool that you know Jamie is the favorite. We score a lot of points. We're great, and even when we <laughs> lose to Coppin State we impress so <laughs> they scored I'm, like eight points in like 20 seconds <laughs> nick i'm really glad you came on so you could get bennett a little bit out of his depression of jmu men's basketball put him in after la- after the Coppin state game because right n- now we have to wait what until thursday yeah, we'll see what happens thursday yeah georgia state may uh may continue the the frown or we might be able to flip that upside down and, and get a smile but thank you so much coming on nick uh you don't mind drop kind of where everyone can find you all your socials all your all your plugs plug on away yeah over on twitter and lawrence and sports and mid under dash madness go give me a follow awesome thanks so much appreciate you guys thank you what a thrill that was you're muted. <laughs> I shouldn't have told you I should have done the whole podcast. <laughs> See what happens. Um, I love Nick coming on. We talked with him uh, on our DRF College Sports Podcast last year, breaking down mid-major things and everything like that, and having him come on to – I think we talked with him last year to break down the CAA, and I think we also talked with Kai last year from Three Man Weave to break down oh, the yeah. CAA. But it's great having Nick on to talk Sunbelt. The way he's able to just know names – is amazing with being said i'm so excited to watch kinsey play on saturday against jmu yeah it'll be interesting to see um has probably never faced a team with as many dogs on it as as james madison university but that should be a pretty fun game two o'clock game saturday you tune in four o'clock college football playoff eight o'clock college football playoff midnight ball drop go to bed how's that for 10 12 hours that sounds like the best sports day uh, possible, honestly. But before we go full breakdown of it all, it is time. It's the return, folks. 
the three-notched weekly preview. We're fixing it a little bit. We're making some tweaks to the three-notched preview since we record early in the week. We'll be previewing both of this weekend's games. Georgia State first, Marshall second. The boys in purple are on their flight as we speak. According to JMU Nation, they were spotted in Dulles Airport on their way down to Atlanta to take on Georgia State. This is the type of journalism everyone tunes into JMU Sports News Podcast for. They're taking on Georgia State. They aren't one of the best teams in the Sun Belt. In fact, they are a bottom four team in the Sun Belt. They're 236 in Ken Palm. They're 7-5 and five on the season, and they're under first-year head coach Jonas Hayes. They don't have a good offense, but defensively, they're not too shabby. They play at a very, very slow tempo. They don't shoot the ball well. They really don't do anything well offensively, which is a big difference from the Marshall game on Sunday, on Saturday, I should say, on Saturday, where they're playing an extremely high-tempo team that puts up points, that has two of the best players in the entire Sun Belt, in Taylor and in Kinsey. Bennett, what, if you can sum it up in as few words as possible, what does JMU have to do to start Sun Belt play 2-0, and what is your prediction for this weekend? Interested to see how they could try to control the tempo against Georgia State, which plays slower. They are a little bit better at home. I think the Dukes have a decent chance of going 2-0. I think with Marshall, uh, the concern there is obviously going to be playing at a, a breakneck pace, and if they be, can be consistent enough defensively because the Thundering Herd are really, really good from inside the three-point line. So that's a pretty big test. I'm really excited for these games. Set an alarm for the Marshall game. That's going to be arguably the game of the year in the Sun Belt. I think Jamie starts the season one and one. How late are you sleeping? What? You said set an alarm for the two o'clock tip. How yeah, late just you so you don't forget days? about it. I know everyone's out doing New Year's Eve activities and stuff. You got to set an alarm to remember it. Okay, midday, midday. Sorry, like you should that. set a reminder. Set a reminder. Does that okay? Okay, I'm you? I'm good with the reminder. <laughs> okay, okay. Just wanted to make sure. But no, I think that'll be arguably, probably, arguably, probably, both mean the same thing in different ways. Best game of the Sun Belt year. Yeah, like early on, right? It's got a chance to be the best for quite a long time. Maybe until that Marshall home game on the 22nd of February. So yeah, yeah. This is a good one to watch. If you're picking out a game to watch, this is a good one. And then looking ahead past that, and those are two fantastic games this weekend. But then just overall Sunbelt Conference vibes. We talked with Nick. Nick genuinely believes JMU can win the Sunbelt. Do you think JMU is the clear-cut favorite right now to win the Sunbelt Conference? If you were a betting – if you were an odds maker, what what are the odds you're making for this? Um, I would have them toward the top. I don't, I don't know if they're a clear-cut favorite. Uh-huh. I think they're certainly toward the top. Uh, Marshall's got a good team. Like they've played pretty well recently, and some of their wins are, I would say, they have more impressive wins than JMU. I don't think that's yeah. really even debatable. So they've they've got some really good wins, and there are a couple other teams in there that are solid. I would say that it's them and Marshall, one A, one B, and you kind of alternate whoever you have in that one A spot. And I think some of yeah. those other teams, Louisiana, Southern Miss, Troy, ODU, are in the mix, but I, w- I wouldn't necessarily bet on that. I think that duo of Andrew Taylor and Tavion Kinsey are going to make Marshall one of the best teams 
one of the best mid-major teams. Like, Marshall yeah. hasn't been necessarily great uh, under Coach Dan D'Antoni. Also, fantastic name. They've only peaked at 92 in Ken Palm since he's taken over. But I don't think he's ever had two players, two seniors like Andrew Taylor and Tavion Kinsey. T- Kinsey might be one of the best mid-major players. And at this level, I think that goes a really long way. And Dan D'Antoni isn't a bad coach. I think it's just really hard to recruit to Huntington, West Virginia. I think he's finally got two guys, two studs. I, I truly think Marshall is a, is the best team in the Sun Belt. Yeah, I think the other thing that makes them interesting um, is that they have a, a seven-foot freshman who has <laughs> a six-block performance in a game this year. Like They have a legit rim protector which is something that JMU does not like they're playing in a really fast tempo yet. They still have a rim protector. So I, I guess it's possible. Did, yeah. I didn't know that was Paul. Did you know that was a, a thing? I think you were allowed well, to do that. A really good news for JMU with that though, is they don't need to go into the paint. They're perfectly fine shooting 15 threes possession. <laughs> exactly. But it's for their, their seven footer, his last name, I'm going to mispronounce, but it's like, Hangloten or something, Micah Hangloten. But he had sure. he had twelve points, thirteen rebounds, and two blocks in their fifteen point win over Toledo. So it's like, all right, this kid can can ball. He he also gets he is fifty four percent of minutes so far this season. He is top four hundred in offensive rating. He's top. He's fifth in the nation in offensive rebound percentage. Tenth in the nation in defensive rebound percentage and 14th in the nation in block percentage. He's a freshman. It's impressive. I mean, he reminds me a little bit of, of Seth Dugan. You... Oh. Of Seth Dugan in 2016, Western Michigan guy. No, Ken Palm does those like <laughs> similar player profiles that always crack oh. me up. And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, this guy's a Seth Dugan type. If, if you remember back to the Broncos and their 2016 team. Where do you even see that? If you click on his name specifically and then oh, underneath. Oh, similar, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you remember Chick McBach Deong. <laughs> I skipped him because I wasn't going to pronounce his name right. <laughs> Jakob Jensen, or yeah, it looks like yeah, Jakob. He's from Denmark. He reminds me a little bit of him. Yeah. And there's a little bit of an Eric, Eric Studeville. Just a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought those guys up because it, it was worth mentioning. Um <laughs> I will say this on a more serious note, back to the, back to the analysis. I think it's JMU and Marshall, a lot of space. And then the rest of the Sunbelt, I know Nick was a little high on Texas state and Louisiana and Southern myth. They haven't proven enough to me and their advanced metrics aren't good enough for me to be fully bought in. I, I think it's Marshall JMU, a bunch of bunch of space. And then it's the rest probably led up by Louisiana, then Southern miss maybe Texas state, but app state doesn't know how to win. App state's best win is Warren Wilson. Um, you thought JMU's schedule was bad. Take a look at app states. App state this season played Warren Wilson, NC central Louisville, Southeastern Louisiana, East Tennessee, Carlo and Regent. They also have three non D one wins. That's ugly. And six losses. Yeah. So no, they, they got a couple respectable ones in there i don't think they're i don't think there's like some of these teams are okay so i don't think jmu's cruise into a sunbelt title i what okay here's a question for you 
what Sunbelt record, you got 18 games, what record would you be okay with? Like something and above. I think, what, 18 conference games? Yeah. I'd like them to be 12 and 6 or better. I think I would take 11 and 7, but yeah, I'm kind of in the similar. I, I think you need less than five losses to win. Like, I think you need four or less to win the Sun Belt. I don't think 11 and 7 wins. I think no, I no, no. I know you don't. I'm just saying, like, to piggyback on that. Yeah, point. you. so 13 and 5 are better wins. Or that's at least I think you you're up there. Yeah, you're in the discussion coming into the last weekend. I think, I think so but I'm happy with 12 and 6. 11 and 7, I, I'm not upset, but I'm not happy. Yeah. I just, yeah. I want them to be in the mix. So if they're in the top like four and maybe they underachieve a little bit, but they go into the conference tournament with a puncher's chance, I would be pleased. But yeah, they've, they've got enough talent, especially when Offram gets healthy again to, to make a legit run at it. I'm just interested to see how they do because there was all this talk in the, I guess, leading up to this, that like the Sun Belt didn't have that many bigs. And that doesn't seem entirely true. <laughs> like, I think they're going to be tested by some legit bigs. I think Mezzi Offram's health is major for the mm-hmm. run in the Sun Belt. And I think Noah Friedel's health is major for their run in the Sun Belt. Yes. Yeah, that's worth mentioning for sure. So he um, only played three minutes against Coppin State. And some interesting comments post game. Yeah, kind of unclear exactly why he didn't play a lot, but um, it sounded like things were were a little off for him in the matchup. So that's certainly something to monitor because his shooting's a pretty pretty important thing for their on court performance. Yeah, he can he can score as they say in bunches, and so hopefully, kind of taking a back seat in that game, getting set through the hollows, this little knee break the team had. Uh, he'll be squared away and ready to go. Wish him the best. Wish Messi the best as well in his recovery. Um, this is his hand. Yeah, Messi's hand. So hopefully his hand's good. Tr- Strickland back. Strickland is a stud of a player. So we love Strickland. Him. Yeah, hopefully see him grow in his minutes as uh, the season goes on. Ten rebounds, five steals for Ian Acho against Coppin State too, which is a fun little stat line for him. How many points? Four points, but I think he only took one. <laughs> only <laughs> took like one or two shots. He didn't have an assist, which I thought was surprising. Um, but I guess, you know, kicking it out to guys who are bricking threes probably doesn't help. Yeah, probably. Um, you know who's not bricking threes? Everyone on the women's team. Kobe King Hoea. National championship. National championship? I'm pretty high on them now. I... Imagine if they didn't win that Buffalo game. I know we can't play the what is it, but <laughs> I think I may have been a little bit premature in writing this team off, and I'm here to say I'm sorry. I was wrong. This team is really good. What they did with Kobe King Hawaii is really awesome. Winning the Hawks Classic is no small feat. I, I'm fully bought in. I think they kind of run through the Sun Belt. They're going to win the Sun Belt. They're so good. They're so good at full health. Like, it's just stupid how much offensive talent they have. And they fix their biggest issue. They no longer have a negative assist-to-turnover ratio. Yeah, they just, like, decided not to turn it over anymore. Yeah, which is huge. 
smart decision. We've been, we've been saying it all along. If we were if we were the coaches, we'd just be in the huddle and be like, no turnovers, make more shots. And they're starting to do that, which is good to see because we have that high level analysis where like they got to start making some of these shots. And it was what true. what is what what is the key like with this team being healthy. What what have you seen from them that makes you go, oh wow, like this is a different team? So King Hawea being available is helpful because she's an offensive boost. Peyton McDaniel is better than I realized. Like she's <laughs> very good. Um, and then you've got like Claire Neff, like when Claire Neff doesn't have to be like your two. Yes. Like that helps a lot. And the same with Hayes. Or even your three. Right. Where they don't have to be the stars and they're going out there and just playing well and then the fact that like kiki jefferson's one of the best players in the country and susha kozlova is one who i did not expect to give him a i thought she'd be like all right give him some rebounds do some things some player of the week for her she's got yeah. an unbelievable array of post moves yeah she's she's really good she had 18 against st joseph's she had 18 against Eastern Michigan. She went 9 of 11 against Eastern Michigan, 8 of 12 against St. Joseph's. I mean, that do they go by St. Saint, yeah, Saint Joseph's? Making sure they didn't go by St. Joe's. But that is massive. I mean, what, what, was, what was the key at the beginning of the Coach O era and the Kenny Brooks era? No, yeah, it was a, a stud player like a Kiki, a Kamaya, a Precious. Uh, Gwathme, uh, uh, Burkholder, uh, n- name them, Don Evans, you know, all these stud players. But it also was a really good big man cleaning up things down low and get easy two points. It was Kayla Cooper-Williams. It was um, Nikki Newman. There had to have been another. Ania Young was also just a solid scrapper down low that when you needed her to get to, she was getting two points. And having that this season is massive for JMU. It's not a coincidence that they've kind of found themselves when Kozlova found herself. It's just like, so the Eastern Michigan game, they go up 2-0, and then she scores the next 10 for them. So they end up having a 12-5 to lead. From 2-12, to it was Kozlova every time. Like, to be able to just give it to her and be like, she's about to do, like, <laughs> seven different pivot steps and a bunch of little up-and-under moves, and that's our offense this possession, and Eastern Michigan's like, all right, and they still can't stop it. Five, like, basically five consecutive possessions down is awesome. Like, if she can add that, and then it's like, oh, yeah, like, Kiki Jefferson might be the best player in the conference, and Kobe Kingawea can score a lot, and Peyton McDaniel is a stud, and you've got Jermond, who's going out there getting a lot of assists. Like, they're just so solid and if you're going to be that solid they're going to be really 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 hard to beat was it king hawaii's move or was it kozlova the eastern michigan game where she did some dirty up and under that just like went through a defender's arms and just laid it in with ease was that kozlova kozlova had a good one i think there was there was one where um the king hawaii pass it was yeah she had a, a great pass and that she had one where she just like Faked she was going to go to the top of the key and drove baseline and like hit a running layup. And it was like, ah, that's just unfair. And then she has another move where she has like fadeaways in the paint that are like very good. And it's just a a very impressive overall offensive game. And St. Joe's is good. They have a good team. And so to go into their building, like they have Mackenzie Smith dropped 31 for them. Like she she was phenomenal. (laughs) 
and it didn't matter because JMU had so many weapons. Or even with Kiki Jefferson not having her best game, they just had way too many options. And we talked about King Hawaii. She played seven minutes and had two points. It's not like she was carrying them. It's just like another really nice addition. And against Eastern Michigan, she had 11 points. So on the season, she's shooting about 45% uh, from the floor, averaging six and a half per game. A really solid start to be. I think she's the three. I think it goes Kiki, Peyton, into uh, Kobe. And I think this team, four, five, Hazel, Neff, Kozlova. I don't hate that four, five, six. Like, this is a team that I think all of a sudden, this is a team that Coach O can win games with. Coach O, I'm sorry for putting you on the hot seat. I have high expectations for you this season, but that... I was too quick this season. I was very wrong on that. But but I think this is a team that can win a conference game. It's insane for me to say that I think this is a team that if they get an NCAA tournament could maybe win one game. Yeah, I think it's possible depending on like the seed they get. But they're also positioned now where obviously they lost to Maine by two, but the Carolina loss isn't bad. Some of their wins are actually decent. Where like if they go crazy in some bell play, they could be looking at like a twelve seed or a thirteen, like something where they could, you know, Are not they looking be looking at it at large. I wonder, I wonder, because I think they've still probably got some work to do net wise, but if they keep stacking up those wins, there are a few teams in the Sun Belt that could really build it up. So I if they go on a crazy run like they did a couple years ago, where they were actually pretty close yeah. to the fringe, I think the thing that bothers me about it is that the like national women's basketball coverage is so much worse than what it is. So with, much worse. Like significantly. So it's hard to even really understand like who's on the bubble accurately because there are literally like hundreds of men's bracketologists. Like there's, you can find so <laughs> many like basically basketball nerds who are like geeking out for the entire season with like, here's how this resume stacks up. And then with the women you get like, I don't know, ESPNW does one and like someone else probably does one, but it's, it's just very limited. So it's hard to know like where they stand, which absolutely sucks, but they've, they've got a team that I think could make a bit of a run. And I've been impressed, especially with Hazel has shot over 40% the last four games has limited those turnovers and is scoring at a good clip. She's rebounding. Well, they're just, they have a ton of talent. I think they have a chance to go on kind of a huge streak here if they stay, you know, focused. Yeah, I think everyone was playing two roles above them last season mm-hmm. and even a little bit at the start of this season. And now that everyone's figured out their role, Kobe's in the lineup, Peyton's in the lineup, everyone I think is playing in the role that they fit the best in. I think that's fair. And it's it's nice to see them kind of get back to a little bit to playing like stingier defense. It's not perfect, yeah. but it's, it's definitely improving. So I'm excited about the future for them because they're – they're starting to make some stuff happen. Love it. Anything else you want to add? Not too much. They've also got a big um, one-two combo here. So Saturday at 2 o'clock might need to be like dual screening because they play ODU, which is supposed to be one of the better yeah. teams in the Sun Belt at home at 2 o'clock. Maybe you go to that game, you get your phone up, you're watching the men on that. I love it. Yeah, why not? But yeah, they start with Coastal, ODU. They play the same Thursday, Saturday slate as the men. Uh, that's how Sunbelt does it. I know CAA did it where it was men, women, men, women. Uh, starting, it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
but this mm -hmm. is Thursday, Saturday. So Sunbelt, you get double dippers every single weekend. Then to start, then they're going from a coastal ODU into Marshall Southern Miss. But there's a real shot here that they open up this season with uh, a good couple of wins. There, if they, I mean, it would be sweet if they won on like a a big time run. I don't think it's out of the question because what they've already won seven in a row. So you get another like you know another seven. That's fourteen in a row. Sorry, I was trying to look at her hoop stats and compare. Uh, all Sun Belt teams, but you—it's not an easy. They're uh, they're well at the top, so they have a her hoop stats rating of nine, which I don't, <laughs> don't fully understand what that means. But for um, I think an average team would be like a zero, is how it is, and then if you're above that, okay, positively it's good. So for some perspective, ULM is a basically a minus thirty, which is bad. That's so bad. they suck. <laughs> uh, you have. Let's see. Only four teams are above zero in the entire conference. JMU leads the way at nine. Troy is a 3.4. Old Dominion a 3.3. And Marshall a 2.2. So there appears to be a fairly sizable gap. All right. So we asked this question for the men's. I want to ask it now for the women's to you. What is a, what is a conference record you are happy with? And then what is a conference record you think is winning the Sun Belt? I think it's similar, actually. I think a uh, thirteen and five is probably putting you in the mix and good. Um, I'd be okay with it, but the way they played recently, I really think they can do a fourteen or four or better and and win yeah. it with that mark. So, it, yeah, I mean, <coughs> I think they. Sh we talked about the men's team being sort of in maybe a two horse race. I think the women are a pretty clear cut favorite. Like, if you're putting money down, they would be my. Yeah, they're winning the Sun Belt. Would they be minus money if you were an odds maker? I think I would probably have them at minus money, yeah. Fairly. For the non-betters out there, that means they are favorites. They are favored by a lot. I think I'd have to just because they've only really played those last two games with like a full roster and they won at like a good St. Joe's and beat the living crap out of Eastern Michigan. So the way they've looked fully healthy, it just feels like they've got to be the team. I have a huge benefit King Hawaii has been able to practice with the team this time. Yes. Because then she just fits in where it's not like, okay, now you're here. Now you have to start practicing and like, it's going to take two months and hopefully by mid February, you're fully in the fold where this is like, okay, you've been practicing, you know, everything now it's just, how do you fit in a game day? Which turns out she fits pretty seamlessly into a game day. Yeah. She's been, Really, really solid. And they've also got some like young freshmen who are really good and are capable of playing. It's just a matter of what they want to do with all the depth they have. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Anything else you've been reading? Anything else like that? I don't think there's too much. Maybe some football portal stuff will happen here in the next few weeks. Who knows? But it's been quiet here the last last little bit. Maybe they get Sam Hartman, make it a three-quarterback race here with two Wake Forest transfers. At the at the uh, possibility of being completely looking outdated within 30 minutes, where do you think Sam Hartman's going? Uh, Sounded like Notre Dame is a front runner, and I feel like he would be sweet there. I saw something where it was like a fan account was like Sam Hartman to Notre Dame confirmed during their bowl game, and it was before he even entered the transfer portal, and everyone was like. Either this kid knows way too much, or <laughs> that was like a really like good guess. 
that's going to be a cool spot for him if he does go there. The portal's interesting. Grayson McCall still undecided playing right now. You have to He's wonder going if he, to Auburn. It'd be interesting if he picks uh, JMU and just backs up McLeod and says, you know, I'd love to be around a real championship caliber program and just see what it's like, even if I can't can't start there. I'm clipping this and putting it up on Twitter and tagging every Coastal fan account. It's just I think if McCall wants to play for a legit program that's not a bunch of frauds, he'll probably consider JMU. That's all. They got to be on his list, even if he's the backup. And he wouldn't. He wouldn't not... start. He wouldn't start. <laughs> I mean, Grayson McCall. Everyone hypes up, but he, the, you know, he needs an offense catered to him. He can't was, play in a pro style system. He needs the Grayson McCall, Jamie Chadwell system. So I mean, it's kind of. Is he that good? I don't I don't think so. I forget what I was listening to. It might have been the JMU Sports blog guys, but they were talking about like system quarterbacks or something. And I'm like, why is that an insult? Like you most players, <laughs> if the system is catered to their strengths, that seems good. Like most people are gonna succeed when they have a system that yeah. plays to their strengths. So I agree with that. That that's a really good take. I thought it was pretty funny. But JMU's got a system that anybody can work in. Jamie's got a system. You know what that system is? Kurt Signetti. The standard. I like that, actually. We should start saying that. <laughs> what do they do schematically? Standard is the standard, my guy. <laughs> what do you guys do schematically? Win. <laughs> Dominate the point of contact. <laughs> That's a Mike Houston one. I, the I, point of one. contact. It's like, just call it the line of scrimmage. Man. You got to win the point of contact. What was the other thing you said? You got to make them like wish they never woke up in the morning or something like that. <laughs> Probably. You got some really aggressive ones. I remember uh, Jamie's defensive coordinator when they beat SMU with Withers. They have like the thing in the locker room or whatever at halftime, and they're like, "Defense, make them want to tap out." Like, watch the second half of that game. The defense did not make SMU <laughs> want to tap out. Badly did everything he could to carry him to a win. <laughs> it's yeah, like defense. Did. They're about ready to quit. It's like what? Um, also, it. while you brought that up, shout out to Everett Withers. My man just only failed upward, and he is now the defensive coordinator at FAU. This is after leaving JMU and becoming the head coach of Texas State. At one point, he was the defensive backs coach with the New York Giants. Spent this last season as a defensive an analyst for another random school that you've he was heard at of. Temple, I think. Temple, that's what it was. Um, and now he's the defensive coordinator at FAU, and I made some sort of uh, joke about it when the report came out. I quote tweeted, and I said, how? Just how? And his son liked it. Uh, I think it was like an anger-like, much like I have a lot of athletes do that to my tweets. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> but it is just very funny that Everett Withers is in the con- is in Conference USA now and is a defensive coordinator so be on the lookout for the owl see how fau's defense does this upcoming season i got 10 bucks on them being one of the bottom third defenses in the nation <laughs> secondary is about to get cooked <laughs> <laughs> for bennett conlin on that note my name's jack fitzpatrick you guys have a wonderful rest of your day we'll talk to you next week when jmu men's basketball and women's basketball are both 2-0 in the Sun Belt. see ya
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.